Hi, I'm Joel Applebaum, the Chief Content Officer for ERMI, and I'm happy to have as our podcast guest today, James Benham. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about technologies to help you manage risk. James is the Chief Executive Officer of JB Knowledge and host of the Contact Crew podcast. James has led JB Knowledge to become a premier provider of technology solutions for the construction insurance industries with clients across North America. James has been a popular speaker at our Construction Risk Conference. James is also a pilot. And James, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Joel. It's good to uh, good to hear your voice again, and uh, always good to chat with the fine folks at Army. Well, thanks. Hey, James, let's let's get to it. I mean, as someone who has their finger on the pulse of new technology developments, what are you seeing in InsureTech that you are personally excited about? Well, I have the I have the distinct honor and privilege of working in two industries, uh, insurance and construction. And I have two podcasts, the Content Crew and the InsureTech Geek, and so I get to cover both of these topics topics on a regular basis. InsureTech is really moving pretty quickly. Uh, the average dollar spend on technology investment is substantially higher than construction, and there's been a whole lot of M&A and investment activity on the InsureTech sector as well as some big key IPOs that are driving a whole bunch of development uh, on on InsureTech. And um, you know, people that that are in construction might say, "Well, why do I care about that?" Well, I mean, you, you should because InsureTech affects every corner of our lives. You know, people are really um, investing a lot of money in, in chasing down consumer uh, InsureTech plays. I mean, if you look at like the IPO of Lemonade, Lemonade brought a much easier underwriting and claims process to home uh, renters and owners insurance. Uh, they took a process that usually takes hours to days to, to write and get a policy, which construction companies should be pretty uh, familiar with. Uh, and brought it down into a minute or two. And so really, in, 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 there's a huge push in InsureTech to substantially streamline underwriting and, and of course, claims as well by using public data, big data, uh, by using forms of machine learning to analyze that data, and by answering questions for people rather than having them fill out 20 million forms and then having an underwriter spend uh, a few hours on it and then ask m even more questions that they could have gotten themselves. So I'd say one of the big fundamental shifts in InsureTech has been really leveraging big data. And, and by big data, I mean a bunch of various sources of you know, high variety, high velocity uh, of data um, to, to make much, much better decisions. I mean, using satellite imagery, uh, using... Uh, um, a whole bunch of the uh, tax records that are on properties. I mean, it, it just it goes all over the place to see how they're handling uh, quoting and binding uh, of insurance. But then it, it's also uh, really awesome to see the amount of work going into preventing loss in the first place, uh, and, and in particular around telematics, actually you know pulling data off of machines, pulling data off of humans. And then doing something with it, right? It's not enough just to store and capture the data. You have to do something with it. And so, it's been pretty awesome to see what's gone on in the in the area of uh, of telematics, in the area of sensors, in the area of computer vision. Um, certainly, analyzing uh, photos and videos for unsafe activity and triggering uh, alerts. Uh, that that's a really big deal for safety and for risk management and insurance. So it's pretty awesome because when you look at the, uh, the the combined set of technologies with computer vision and telematics and uh, big data, machine learning, um, and and what it really means for the end 
buyer of insurance and the person that's actually dealing with risk, it means a far streamlined, far more streamlined experience, better outcomes, better decisions, and overall lower cost of risk. So, I mean, the the benefits are substantial. And of course, to the other side too, the, the actual carriers carrying the risk, ideally, if this all works out, um, they they pay fewer claims, they have better loss ratios, we have a healthier insurance market, which is good for everybody. Cool. You know, something you might not know about me, but I was a chief analytics officer for a big global insurance company implementing things like this. And, you know, back then it was uh, a lot of concepts and proof of concepts. And, and, and it was really in the early fledgling stages of that. I'd, I'd love it if you could give me examples of at least one or two technologies being utilized in insure tech that have applications for construction tech, right? And you know, just just give me an example of what's what's really working out there and that you see being adopted. Yeah, well, there's there's plenty. Uh, let's just talk about worker safety, right? Because that that's a big deal for insure for insure tech because you know they want they want lower comp claims. And yep. it's, big, it's a big deal for construction because they want to protect their workers and they want them to go home not just the same as, but better than they arrived that day. And so I think worker safety, um, you know, there, there's a, a few technologies that came out. And what was interesting is that uh, COVID was really a catalyst for, catalyst for more of these type technologies of tracking worker movement, identifying unsafe behavior, coaching workers, protecting workers, alerting workers, and giving workers the ability to uh, to fire an alert off that they're in trouble and need help. Um, automatic slip, trip, and fall sensors. So you, you have solutions that have now been around for a few years, which is really exciting to see them mature, like Spotter by Triax, um, which has been a, a, a regular. We had some solutions that we actually covered at Army that are no longer in business, and others that have been created in, in the meantime. Uh, we've cut or covered many of them on the podcast, like Genda. Um, th- there's there's plenty of these tracking solutions out there. Some use visual tracking, others use a dedicated sensor, others use apps on the phone. So there's a lot of different ways to approach worker safety. All of them have a, a similar objective, and that is prevent accidents from happening in the first place and uh, keep workers safer. So uh, drop evacuation times down. You want know, you want to make it quicker for people to get out of the job site. You want to make it quicker for people to notify you if they have a problem. Ideally, automatic slip, trip, and fall detection is pretty common. We've seen a few different ways uh, of approaching this, too, with dedicated sensors. Like you can have a belt clip that looks like a pager. There's also uh, you know, one solution out there that actually uh, screws into the back of a hard hat on the adjuster band where it adjusts the tension of the hard hat. So there's some really neat ways that are being approached to, to put um, that. So I'd say that, that one's a really easy one to look at. And then uh, computer vision is another really big one that's being used to track job site progress. But the same set of tools and technologies are also being used to analyze uh, PPE compliance rates. And that, that actually got really big during covid um, like SmartVid from you know Josh Canner and the, the team at SmartVid produced a really neat report that automatically could detect how many workers on a job site were wearing uh, face masks so they could protect themselves from COVID. So there, there's plenty of examples. Those are two of the uh, top ones. That that's awesome, and I and I should say nobody you know nobody paid to be plugged in here, or any of that. So you know when when we're talking about a cool technology, it's because it's a, a cool technology or it's a, a a good example. You know, 
and I'm a I'm a work comp geek, you know, uh, myself. I, you know, I grew up in the work comp business, pretty passionate about it. And I, I love the idea of the, you know, the the sensors, you know, we, we talk sometimes in our in our realm about workers who have a fast and a slow brain, you know, how you can drive to work and suddenly not realize you just drove to work. But how did you just do that? And you might not have realized that you were at risk, but if something that can alert you when when there is a risk and get you into that right frame of mind to be prepared for it, um, it just sounds really cool. And and I love the idea of technologies that can reduce loss. And then we also talked about potential pro productivity gains. Are there technologies that are providing particularly good results in both of these areas? Both areas, meaning the uh, product, well, productivity I, I, and 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 loss reduction. I sure, mean, a two sure. for one is yeah, always. I, a think, I think almost all of them are two for Joel, um, okay. because when you when you improve productivity, generally you're reducing the number of steps people take, right? So let, let let's let's say you're trying to bring um, workers closer. There've been a lot of studies about bringing the number of steps down that workers have to take. Uh, so that means you're moving materials, tools, storage, bathrooms, porta potties closer to where the work is being done each day. Mm -hmm. And uh, there, there are plenty of products out there that do this. And there's also a bunch of proprietary Excel spreadsheets people have built to do this. And mm -hmm. in, in every one of those cases, it's a twofer because if you cut down the number of steps the worker has to take, let's say you cut it in half, because you move the bathroom closer. I mean, just moving the porta potty is a big deal. But then you move the tools and materials, you can have a dramatic reduction in the amount of time that it took. There's a, a contractor out of Wisconsin that, that did a great job quantifying this. That's a, a subcontractor named Faith Technologies, did a really cool productivity survey. And they even established a really neat mantra that, that said, hey, we're going to be uh, 30 for 30. That means everything's going to be within 30 feet or 30 seconds of reach. And then they hit that. And, uh, and so then they say, okay, we're going to be 15, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think it was 15 feet or 15 seconds. It, it, it was, it was, oh, no, five, it was five feet or five seconds. I mean, there's just amazing, like how they kept, they kept narrowing it and narrowing it, narrowing it. Now, all these productivity gains in our contractor base, I'm not speaking about faith because they're not a client of mine. So I don't, I don't know. I just know their productivity survey. Um, the, these productivity gains are paired with safety gains because if if you have a worker walking around a lot less around the job site, that's a safer worker. I mean, you think about all the accidents in you know when you read your comp reports and you're looking at all your FOIAs, um, you know, not your FOIAs but your FROIs, right? All your first reports of injury and you're checking out the details and what's going on because I'm a comp nerd, mm -hmm. uh, and and you're looking at all 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 those and you're saying, okay, where are these happening? Well. It's equipment backing into workers. It's equipment falling on workers, and, and and almost always they were traversing the job site. So I mean, you got a you got a lot of things that happen when people move around job sites, um, and slip, trip, fall, collision. And if yep. you're reducing the number of steps by fifty percent, you're also reducing the probability they're going to have an accident by a similar amount. And so that's what's really cool about productivity, about focusing on productivity, which I really believe in focusing on productivity, because inevitably focusing on productivity is is uh making a, a safer job site yeah I, I i would agree with you being the you know a 
preventing an injury, people don't realize this because it's, it's hard to quantify, right? I, I always love this about being a, an enterprise risk manager. Well, if you never have a loss, you're you're not the hero, right? That you, you don't really get to prove yourself. Um, but but that's exactly it. Is that preventing the loss is is a huge productivity gain to begin with? Because you know if you had to replace that worker with a less efficient worker, someone who's new to learning the job, uh, you know it, it, it's difficult and it's it's hard. I think I think you would agree. You know, hard to attract talent and and today just have the resources you need for for the job so that that's really cool I, I like that focus on productivity i think that's a good tip i i also know from you know listening to your podcasts which which are awesome that you are also very passionate about uh reducing suicides in construction we know that is a you know a, a tough issue for the construction industry it's also something that's tough to talk about I wanted to ask you about what is the best resource for construction firms that would like to be more proactive in helping employees reversing this trend, right? Just being present, being happy, being productive. Uh, this this is a part of it too, right? Yeah. Um, so suicide is a really complicated topic. Um, just the factors that cause it aren't always obvious. People that are struggling with this aren't always apparent. Um, it is It is a really dangerous thought that people get trapped into um, to think that that's the only way out that they have. And construction is a tough industry. Uh, high pressure, high stakes, you're at risk a lot. Um, you're under a lot of pressure to deliver and perform. Uh, you have a lot of stresses on your body and your mind. So it becomes a bit of a of a terrible, perfect storm sometimes. And uh, the, the beautiful thing is that organizations out there recognize this was a problem. And, and a good friend of mine from CFMA that I, I met at uh, CFMA introduced me and, and really championed this cause. His name is Cal Beyer. And Cal, Cal is just a force. I mean, he's an amazing guy uh, who's who really recognized this and brought this to the forefront of a lot of thinking and construction that, hey, look, we're the CDC has said that of all occupations, construction is the highest rate of suicide. As well as the highest number of suicides, and it's 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 really scary. And so, uh, the best place to go is the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention, which is uh, preventconstructionsuicide.com, is the best place to go to get resources, uh, get informed, start understanding how you can build training in the in the organization. They they have a pledge that the company can take, um, and it, it takes intentionality. You can't just say, you can't just like say the words we want to prevent suicide and then it'd be okay. Uh, right. there, there actually have to be action items behind it. And I think that the construction industry Alliance for suicide prevention does probably the best job I've seen of providing tools, resources, tips, a guide, a pledge the, I mean, they give you the plan, they give you the strategy and the tactics. And uh, so a big, big shout out to my friend Cal Byer and, and the, the group there because they said, you know, it's got to stop. It's got to stop with us. We have to take definitive action to make it happen, and, and that's what they do. And so there's, there's, there's certainly there's educating your employees. There's identifying people who are at risk. There's help that you can get them. Um, just, just you know, loving people. Unfortunately, and I wish it was enough. Loving your employees, loving your teammates is not enough. Uh, you you have to have a you have to have a program to really identify when this might be a possibility and um, and then to stop it before it happens. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, thanks for thanks for asking about that, because I think it's 
it's a it's a really severe problem that we've got to we've got to deal with as a group and it doesn't happen unless we first acknowledge that it's happening and second that there actually is something we can do about it other than lament the loss of our colleagues thanks yo hey at ermi we're all about educating and and you know unfortunately sometimes you have to educate on tougher topics that's one of them but that was some great advice and i really appreciate it so thanks for that and, and earlier maybe just change Earlier, you were talking about, you know, carriers, some insurance carriers were doing this and the insurers doing that. Which insurers have really embraced innovation and technology for their own use, as well as uh, a means for adding value to their clients, right? So they're really, you know, getting the helping clients be more productive, prevent losses, you know, and, and offering meaningful technology solutions solutions that clients are adopting. Can you give me, you know, an example or two? Well, uh, yes, there are insurers who are far more active in the insure way in the, in the insure tech community. Um, they're, they're, they're far more active in the insure tech community than others. Right. And, um, first I'd say the hallmark of a mainline carrier being really involved in this is uh, a lot of them have venture capital groups where they'll actually fund uh, you know new new insure techs and then ultimately acquire them, and you're seeing that from many. So I, mean, I think like Liberty Mutuals, it they're 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 really really active in the insure tech um, space, um, and and you hear their name mentioned a lot um, around uh, around insurance and, and, and insure tech. Um. Uh. And and they're they're. Uh, I'd I'd say also, if you look at the 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 main ones that are pure play insure techs like Lemonade and you get into um you know Hippo and I mean, we can we can keep going down there. They're, they're, I've I've interviewed them all on uh, on uh, Insure Tech Geek. I've, I've uh, at least I've tried to to interview all of them. There's a uh, a, a pretty a pretty big swath of them that are pretty active. Uh, in rethinking the way they underwrite risk, rethinking the way they handle claims, and then also starting venture capital groups to fund companies that are rethinking it as well. Uh, and so there's there's a, a quite quite an active uh, a, a group of those. I, I hate to call out uh, some and not others. I mean, th- you you look at um, s- some are even creating spinoff brands like uh, UPC down in Florida as a major. Uh, hurricane insurer for for personal lines uh, property, and they actually created a, a spinoff company called Skyway Direct. And so you're seeing that type of activity as well, where if they don't invest in a third party, they're actually creating little you know you know little sub brands that are direct right, uh, streamlined underwriting, streamlined current claims, a tech tech first approach. There's a lot of ways that you're seeing companies approach this, uh, and so I'd say that's. Uh, that's probably the ones that I would reference as an example, uh, because they're they, they they've really got their their work dialed in. Uh, when I was talking about uh, Liberty Mutual, you have you know Liberty Mutual has a an innovation group uh, that's that's LM, LMG Innovation, Liberty Mutual Innovation, and then you also have Liberty Mutual Strategic Ventures as well. So there, there's you know and that so that when you're looking at the hallmarks, a lot of times they'll have a lab, then they'll have a funding group. And then they'll have spinoffs, and then they 
will use the companies they fund. A lot of times they'll acquire them and then they'll they'll overhaul their internal operations with the company they they seed funded in the first place and then acquired several years later, right? So they they've the really really good ones have have uh, create a created a. Um, a pretty heck of an ecosystem. <laughs> uh, the the other one that I, that would that I have to would would mention would be AXA XL. You know, AXA is the world's largest uh, PNC insurer, right? Uh, out of France, massive company. Uh, they acquired XL Catlin. So AXA XL is their North American operations, and they created a construction risk ecosystem where they curate and bring together solution providers with their key customers and then they created this concept of highly protected projects um where they're tying together the risk and their underwriting and the technology that's being deployed on the job site with the provider and the client i mean so they actually they actually connected all the dots and uh, gary kaplan and rose hall and, and others are really leading the charge over there at uh, axa xl mm-hmm. and it's been really really impressive to see what they're doing to to kind of stitch all the pieces together because most contractors don't have time to peel through all the different solutions and figure out what they should use and what they should adopt. So they tried to shortcut that entire process. Right. So it's, it's, it's really neat. Cause you know, you can look at like UBC with Skyway direct, you can look at Axa Excel with their construction ecosystem. You can look at Liberty mutual with their innovation group. You know, you can just keep looking at all these different companies. Uh, Wells Fargo just funded a, uh, a major insure tech uh, this past week that was in our our news, and so th- there's a lot of different ways that companies are playing in the space. Uh, at the end of the day, of course, the hardest thing for them to do is, um, the, I mean, the, the the hardest thing for them to do is to overhaul their own operations, <laughs> in particular for the mainline the mainline operators, right? Uh, and so that that's where I, I think that's why you're seeing them be so aggressive on funding others because they can ultimately acquire and then take some time to overhaul their existing operations. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of construction risks are particularly facing, you know, difficult pricing in insurance. Uh, They're looking for meaningful ways to uh, control costs. Um, So, I know personally as an underwriter, you know, I, I worked with some of the people you mentioned, like Gary, and, you know, it, it's always been hard to, you know, get that one for one type of return on investment. So I, I'm going to ask you one last question, like, are there any specific products that you uh, think provide meaningful data and, uh, you know, the the technology investment can have a, you know, a significant return, you know, that, that, you know, just like it's, 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 it's kind of a out there as, as uh, really proven itself. Just try well, to put you on the spot. Uh, okay. So there, there's quite, there's quite a few products that have done a very good job of quantifying ROI. Okay. And I think that the job of a good construction technologist, as much as adoption is the number one job is getting the field and the office to adopt the technology that the company acquires. <laughs> I mean, that's a big challenge is mm-hmm. also after the technology before and after quantifying how long it took before, how long it took after, and then quantifying the ROI. So you can, you can justify the continued investment in technology by the organization. That's a really big deal. Right. And um, there are some providers that do 
a much better job of helping you quantify exactly what the uh, what the ROI is than others, right? I mean, there's you know some who actually actually manage to to help track it. I'll give I'll give a couple of ROI examples. Um, one is a is a product called Tiger Stop, and it it was really amazing because this one makes the job safer and drives massive, enormous returns. Now, it's software and hardware, right? It 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 helps you with with pipe cutting, and if you're if you're cutting copper pipe or you're you're cutting pipe, if you're at least here mechanically, you have a fab shop and you're doing a lot of pipe cutting, that can be a pretty wasteful exercise if you're manually selecting all the pipe because you can end up with a whole lot of pipe waste and a whole lot more cuts and uh, a much longer process. And again, the longer a worker is working in a dangerous environment, the more likely they are to get injured. I right. mean, it's just it's a numbers game. Okay. So if I'm around a spinning saw for eight <laughs> hours instead of four, I'm twice as likely to get cut by that spinning saw just in general. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's just, so you you ideally want to limit the amount of time people are in dangerous conditions, and so so what Tiger Stop does is it helps you because it you tell it all the lengths of pipe you have, and you tell it what light what what length you picked, and then it automatically determines the cuts you should make on that that pipe length so that you can minimize the waste at the end, right? So it optimizes the cuts for the length of pipe that you have. At the end of the day. The clients and the prospects and the other companies we've talked to that have used Tiger Stop went from taking a whole day to do all their cuts to taking like three hours. It was like a sixty percent reduction in the amount of time it took to cut pipe. Wow! It was it was it was an, it was it was not like a small reduction. It was massive. It also automates the label printing. So as as they make the cut, the the label printer spits the label out and you stick it on. The only thing the worker does because the Tiger Stop picks the pipe and then pushes it down automatically is the worker lowers the saw. Okay, the saw is all kind of safety device. So you're making it safer. You're 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 limiting the chances that a worker can have a lifting injury. Um, you're also reducing their their time. They're at a spinning saw blade, and you're dramatically reducing waste. Um, University Mechanical was one company that we talked to about this. That Ryan Hogan over there gave us this ROI case study, and they went from like a like a giant barrel of pipe waste every day to like a little one gallon paint bucket every day. <laughs> wow. So, so that's great, right? So it makes them much more profitable. It means they run their machines far less, but also makes them a lot safer. Yep. And, and so that, that's the kind of thing I think that you got to be good at quantifying. Um, you know, another one that's, that, that's uh, really interesting was, was robotic total stations. A friend of mine, Buck Davis, who's a regular co-host on the podcast, used to work for Balfour Beattie. He just could not convince, at the time, this was years ago, people to stop doing traditional layout and move to robotic total stations. So he did a productivity study, and he found out that they made an extra $125,000 net profit per project by switching from robotic total station from traditional layout, right, string level, right, to a robotic total station. Here's the other really cool thing, Joel. It went from a three-person crew to a one-person crew to do layout. Wow. So, I mean, that means, so what'd they do with the other people? Well, they, they built more stuff, but it also meant they had these, you know, layout crews that have to walk around a lot on the job site, can be pretty dangerous. Right. It's, it's less people. So, again, you're seeing safety savings and real-time productivity savings. And if you let yourself fall into the trap that you think that somehow – because of all this technology, we're going to need humans less. 
that's really a, a really a big fallacy because we have a massive even and now right now despite all the covid stuff we have a massive labor shortage in construction mm-hmm. we do not have enough workers so right. we've got to do everything in our power to make it uh, more productive for workers to produce on the job site and safer so because when they get injured it's a big deal you can't find a replacement right absolutely and, and so this is not about eliminating workers from construction. We we need them more now than we did 40 years ago. And 40 years ago, we had far less automation. So what does that tell you? Automation does not equal replacing humans. Automation allows us to produce more. I mean, the state of Texas requires a new city of 300,000 people be built every year. Just wrap your brain around that. <laughs> the, you know, the, we have, we have, we have, we have 1,000 to 1,500 people a day moving into Texas. Yeah. We have to have a new city of 300,000 every year. How, how on earth are we going to build that safely, <laughs> safely, and, unless we really take advantage of productivity gains made by technology, people in process, and, uh, and of course, the corresponding uh, safety and risk management goals that we'd have? Yeah. Awesome. Great stuff, James. I, uh, I want to thank you for joining me today to enlighten our listeners on what's happening in insurance and uh, constru- the construction technology space. Um, I, w- I want to let my listeners know they can go to ermy.com to learn more about con- our construction risk conference, which you've been a speaker at. Um, this year, it'll be a hybrid event with a, a live portion and a virtual portion. It's going to be um, November 7th through the 10th this year. A uh, quick insider tip for those listening to the podcast, uh, the, the live space is going to be limited. So you can go to ermy.com uh, and the conference section and sign up to be notified when registration goes live. Make sure you get your seat. And uh, also you can sign up there for a free demo of our construction risk management reference, which is you know designed to help you understand construction risks and strategies and uh, help give you lots of strategies to deal with the the tough market we're experiencing now and uh, to protect workers, right? So it's packed with ideas and insight for mitigating, transferring your risks, protecting your people and insurance. So thanks to everybody and appreciate you joining me, James. Uh, Thanks for having me on again. uh, You can find out more information on uh, thecontactcrew.com or uh, insuretechgeek.com. And uh, we'd love to have you listen to our podcast as well. And thanks for having me on. Great. Thanks for being here.